So someone dear to me, I don't want to embarrass them. Although this is not a story to be embarrassed of. This should be proudly shouted from the rooftops. But someone dear to me was reading Lord of the Rings for the first time. They were in the third book, really close towards the end. And it's kind of, it gets getting tense. It's tense. And so she realized, she was in the library. She realized the cafeteria is about to close. I have to get there. So she quickly closed her book, threw it in her backpack, run over to the cafeteria. She goes through the line, gets her food in her tray, sits down. Now, you know how really great literature stays with you, okay? Even after it's done, it can stay with you for days. We're talking minutes. Minutes have passed. She's sitting down. She prays for her meal. In her prayer, she says, Dear Lord, please help Frodo make it to Mordor. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what am I saying? Like, she wasn't even ironically, this was just like, oh, wait, these aren't real people. She was still there. She was still there with him. (laughs) That's hysterical. And then was like, hold on, where's reality? I need to just peep at it for a minute. Welcome to Book Fair, a feast for every season of reading. We are a growing community of curious readers who share the excitement of books. We want to read together and feast together through the seasons of the year and the seasons of our lives, and we hope you join us. And before we get going, we can announce the winner of our first season two book club, which is, drumroll please... The Silent Planet by C.S. Lewis. How appropriate for Lewis book to win on a fantasy episode. I know, right? So I'm very excited. I've never read this. I haven't either. I'm very excited about it. Amanda, tell us why we should all be excited about reading out of the Silent Planet. Because it's super weird. (laughs) 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 No, but it's it's weird in a good way. Um, I mean, why would you not want to go out of this world with Lewis as your guide and be able to look back on Earth with fresh eyes? Love it. Okay. (laughs) I do want to say one thing about it. This is the first in a trilogy, and it is not uncommon for people to not be crazy about this one and the second one, but really love the third one. So read it with an open hand and if it's not your thing the first time you read it it might be the next time but if it's not the first time you read it that's okay keep going with the trilogy you're like just be quiet read it anyway (laughs) if it's not your thing just sit down and read it until you like it (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say I'm not sure how encouraging that is no do it anyway I said so before you read it you might not like it but read it anyway that's that's your takeaway okay got it okay moving on okay friends well we're going to talk about fantasy today but before that I need to make a little announcement 
you listeners may notice you don't see us. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever tried something and then be like, nah, that wasn't awesome. (laughs) If you're not having some bumps in the road, some, oh, maybe we'll call it failure. Maybe we call it, we just didn't choose that right now. Then that probably means you're not trying. You're not trying new things. And we are trying new things, guys. But we did decide that video podcasting is not in our present. It might be in our future, but we're not gonna worry about that right now. So we did it a week. It was fun. There are some things that might get resolved to make it a better choice for us later, but today is not that day. So you put your earbuds in and get to clean in or work in or whatever it is you do when you listen to us and we're gonna continue on. Absolutely. And we just we just so love and appreciate that we have a community that is doing this with us and is patient with the things as we learn and grow and try new things. And if you really loved seeing it on the video, let us know. Um, it may influence how quickly in the future we try it again. Yeah, um, good point. But for now, for 2022, we are probably going to um, stick with the audio for a little while longer. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little more work than we realized. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to plan a little more on that one. <laughs> okay, so fantasy. I have to tell you guys. Uh, my relationship with fantasy, I feel like kids get into fantasy and then oftentimes adults still enjoy it. But that love started in childhood and it did not for me. It started in adulthood as a mom because as a kid, <clears throat> I grew up in a household that encouraged us to do a lot of things, but silliness wasn't really always one of them and fantasy would have fallen into silliness and it became my opinion for a little while too Uh, my dad was our primary read aloud person and he read us a lot of great books so I don't want to say that I missed some huge thing but my view of fantasy was the movie cover of Willow at our local (laughs) video store and I thought I want nothing to do with that and the other one with David Bowie with the what is it the labyrinth Yeah, I just was like going to be a hairdresser already. And I was like, no, no, that's not for me. I don't want to watch that movie. I sure don't want to read a book about any of that nonsense. I don't need to leave my life. You were like, I don't need to leave my life. To the land of bad hair. That is my life. (laughs) But later in life, um, with kids. I was kind of opened up to a world that I now love and I now see not just a fun vacation, but a lot of value in. So I'm excited to talk with that today because I feel like you guys are a little more old old pros at the subject where I have a shorter list of fantasy because all of my fantasy books have been read as an adult. And now I have some that I want to, they're on my to be read, but not a long list of things I read as a child that were a journey that meant something to me. Hmm. Do y'all agree? It's a, it, it begins in childhood fantasy usually. I mean, obviously there's adult fantasy books. That wasn't my, well, I didn't really read much (laughs) as a child. Okay. Outside of school things, Sweet Valley Twins, and then of course on to Sweet Valley High. (laughs) Outside of, (laughs) outside of that, I didn't read very much. 
and certainly not great children's literature. I just didn't, I don't remember it at, anyway mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. home. So <clears throat> I came to it as an adult. Well, then maybe I'm not alone then. Um, I think, though, that's common, though. I think there is a lot uh, in the fantasy genre that's considered children. So I think you're probably, like, really not alone in that. So, I mean, the things I'm reading are growing up. Um, As I start to say, maybe I'd want to read that one on my own. So far, the things I've read have just been with kids. Hmm. Trisha, did you read fantasy as a kid or just as an adult? I did do some. Um, It wasn't a go-to genre for me um but I did do some sci-fi and fantasy and you know particularly all the Narnia books Mm -hmm. and the Wrinkle in Time books Mm -hmm. and then the occasional you know sci-fi or fantasy here or there I'm going to talk about one series a little bit later um that I got into in high school but it was not a go-to for me growing up do y'all think that this genre has suddenly exploded I feel like that's all kids are reading right now and maybe that's not true maybe it's just the ones in my circles because I also yeah, wonder I feel well, like maybe there just wasn't as many and those were not the go-to's yeah I, I feel like kid. it's huge now for sure I think I don't think there's any doubt that Harry Potter changed the landscape and that yeah. since ah, maybe that's I think it. so too yeah. I think so everybody yeah. you know authors and publishers are hoping to recreate that money machine but also authors are hoping to recreate that experience too well and there are so many kids who love that who read it and love it and then want something else yeah to what's go, next for me what's next and it really is that good like I so I was a person with Harry Potter that you know everyone was talking about it it came out I think when I was in high school the books were still coming out when I was in college and I had friends who adored it and went to the you know stood in line for the midnight release and all this stuff and I was a little bit like you Elizabeth like I was a little bit like uh kid on a broom (laughs) <laughs> I don't get it. Why? What's the big deal? And I think I even had a little bit of this, like, if everybody likes it, it can't be that good, you know? Oh, I love to be that kind of snob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Me> yeah. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but once I finally got to it, um, I mean, it really is that amazing. I mean, I know for my kids, they just adored it. And I know so many kids do and adults. It's just, it truly is one of those things that is worth all of the hype and all of the acclaim. Um, so I get it. I, and it gets a lot of kids into reading. I've heard a lot of moms say like, this is what got my kids into mm-hmm. reading. Sure. So, but it, but I do think it has, like you said, it, it becomes a great hook for kids. They love it. And then they want something else. But then also I think with the YA explosion with fantasy, I mean, it is just huge, huge, huge for YA. And I think it's kind of an extension of that. Like you read Harry Potter when you were a kid. Now we're going to read, you know, whatever, the Red Rising Mm -hmm. series or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the next one is. So interestingly enough, when Trenton wanted to read Harry Potter and that was great and he, we decided to read them side by side. He was already such a voracious reader that me reading a chapter or so a night was not enough. So he would read it at night, I would read it in the day. We read the first book and it was kind of okay for me. Like mm-hmm. it, was, it was good. It wasn't until I read it aloud with a kid beside me that the magic happened and I think that I just didn't have that like silliness about me that was able to just conjure up a magic world and like buy it and then suddenly I saw it differently and so 
I think that that is now I've practiced that. Now I can do that. Now I can step out on my own and read some fantasies that are not, you know, on Nate's age range yet. Like I would love to read Lord of the Rings probably next year. Um, so I wanted to open with that just in case that wasn't wasn't your spot that maybe barring that childhood magic is the way to enter into that but when I became new to thinking like okay fine it's good I started exploring well what would be the value in in a kid or an adult either one borrowing this world for a minute like why would we want to I loved how we opened up for sci-fi about they ask important moral questions humanity questions and so what do you consider value, value builders, idea builders for fantasy. I went through so many notes about this. I'm having <laughs> okay. a hard time thinking about where to begin. I have four pages of notes. She's like, well, do you want my thesis? <laughs> I could write a paper on this at this point because I just, I so enjoy fantasy and I so enjoyed spending time thinking about it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in preparation for this episode. I just, I just love it. So <clears throat> here's one thing I'll throw out to start. I don't know. I'm calling it a matrix. Tell me what you think about this, but kind of in both defining fantasy comparing and contrasting it with similar genres and also maybe starting to get to the heart of, of one of its values, like what you're asking about. So I think, so fantasy takes you to a different time and a different place, right? Mm -hmm. There's other genres that are related that do similar things. So I thought of sci-fi. It takes you to a different time. It takes you to the future, the future through the vehicle of technology. You know, if we stick with this technology and nothing else changes, here's where we could end up. Here's what life could be like. And I think dystopian is similar to that. You go to the future, but through the vehicle of government, maybe. Maybe that's mm -hmm. oversimplified. Yeah. But, no, you know, if that... we continue on this path, here's where we will end up. <clears throat> but they're still in the real world quote-unquote real, which we will be talking mm -hmm. about this episode. Historical fiction, you go back in time, right? And history. And in going to a different time, whether it's future or past, it really helps you see your own time with a fresh perspective. More clearly. Right? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. also like, if we're not going to a different time, but a different place, if you especially if you travel to another country, maybe that's not as wealthy as the U.S., you really get a greater depth of perspective and appreciation for what we have, and even yeah. for people who don't have, how they can be happy and live and laugh and love and that kind of thing, you know? So going to a different place also, and of course we do that through books, contemporary fiction and nonfiction about other places. So fantasy, you go to another place and another time. So I think that's pretty unique, even among these genres that really can, or has the possibility to cultivate a broader perspective for us after reading it. Which is probably why it's altogether more disorienting. It's not a little bit like our world. It's nothing like our world because of the place and time idea that you have there. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Amanda, what about something like Harry Potter that does take place? I mean, it takes place in contemporary time. It just adds another dimension. It's a secret world. Right. 
That's a good question. That's what hooked me with with Harry Potter, too, is like, Mm -hmm. I love to think about what if my world isn't all that I know? What if there's more? Yeah, that's true. A lot of these fantasy, maybe that was too narrow uh, thinking on the definition of fantasy because there's this pocket, the secret world in Harry Potter. And so many of these, you have your hero who goes on the hero's journey who realizes this world is bigger or there's this other world or there's this other thing, but they are pulled from your modern day. So yeah, right. there's that too. Yeah. I think the the point is the fantasy author, maybe slightly differently from especially sci-fi or dystopian, is saying, here is this world that is free of this thing, or that has been overtaken by this thing, which is different than our world, so that you can see the difference. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. And I like thinking about it in terms of perspective, because I think that gets at one of the great values of fantasy. You can't live in reality without perspective. So it's ironic when you can go to fantasy that is more real because it's not real or it's not true because it's not true, it can be more true. I think it has to do with perspective because we cannot live our lives in reality without that. So going to this other place to get better perspective helps us have a better grasp on reality. So I that's like what that. I mean by, because it's not true, it's more true. Mm-hmm. So that's similar to what I would consider um, one of the great things about fantasy. Both children and adults, when we're working out a big, hard problem, I was thinking last night about this and how I would want to word it. And I think it's like Doctor Strange has the mirror the mirror world, you know, where it's like safe mm-hmm. to try out his new powers. And both children... But also us as adults, we can step into this place where none of our, none of our rules, let alone even gravity. I mean, none of the things are are the same there. And we can try out bravery. We can try out rebellion. We can try out all kinds of different things and work out within ourselves which one feels more natural, which one was in me and I didn't realize, which one do I want to pull from right now for for my life. And on the one hand, maybe you can do that in any story, but I do think fantasy sets you up for that just all the more because this, maybe you don't, maybe you just don't feel bad about trying things or you're, you're like, well, this is, this is a totally made up thing. This is a, this is a nonsense world. So I can be whatever in it. Um, I liked thinking about that. That about you can just you can step into this and try out some characteristics, try out some things that might not be might not might not be in your normal, and then decide what do I want to borrow and bring back. Amanda, I love how you are wording that, Elizabeth. That really clicks for me. Like. <clears throat> it's this other world you can go to and try on these virtues. And try on I the virtue. Think, That's a good way. <laughs> I think it is like that because we're not distracted by things in our world. There's no historical references, like, oh, what's true and not true, which is kind of fun to do with historical fiction, but you're not distracted by that. There's no allegories. There's nothing like that in there, so you can be completely immersed. Well, there's no should. all that there is is these great principles, these virtues that you're talking about. 
Yeah, because like, a lot of kids maybe wouldn't consider themselves a brave kid. Or, or the idea of when is it appropriate to break a rule because this was necessary to save the whole story. You know, Harry Potter's a huge rule breaker. Um, and I don't want my kids to be a rule breaker unless it's not a good rule or unless someone's life's on the line or unless, you know, we can work out scenarios like that too. I think adults do the exact same thing. I think this is a subject where we can say a kid's brain and an adult's brain is not going to be processing this that differently. Yeah. I think you could also be a rule breaker if you're at Hogwarts. (laughs) (laughs) I only did it at Hogwarts. (laughs) We need, that sounds like a good t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> what happens at Hogwarts? <laughs> Trisha, do you have like a, like a love or a value or a something that you feel like fantasy owns in its own? You know, I've been sitting here trying to think if there's something that fantasy owns in its own that's different than science fiction. And... You know, one of the things that separates them, um, and I don't know if this is like a universal definition thing, but generally, if it has to do with magic, it's fantasy. You know, science fiction is about more science-based. Now, there are things that cross both. Like in the superhero world, you have both science fiction and magic. So there are things that are both. Um, But generally, if there's a lot of magic, it's fantasy. Um, Also, if... As you said, Amanda, if it's a whole new world, generally it's fantasy. Like sci-fi usually is trying to give you a scientific basis, even if it's like 10,000 years in the future on Pluto, you know, which could look (laughs) totally different. But they're Mm -hmm. still saying this could be rooted in the quote, the real world. Um, Whereas, you know, Narnia, where you walk through a wardrobe and step into another whole world that has a totally different reality and magic and talking animals and that's fantasy. Um, And I think for me, fantasy, because of like the magical element, there's something about magic that somehow feels like an extension of the heart or like an extension of the soul. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you picture mm-hmm. that like if you're going to do, ma- like you talk about good magicians versus bad magicians, it feels like... It It feels like an extension of their heart and soul. And so I think there is a sense in which it kind of engages the heart and the, I, and my identity when I imagine being in a fantasy world in a way, science fiction more tends to engage my brain, my brain. Like what, what if I'm in this situation, what would I do? And it's still narrative. It's still bravery. It's still, decision-making, but... I think that's true. When I think about putting myself in a fantasy world and experiencing that, there is a way that it engages the heart. And, you know, a lot of books, it really is about that. I mean, when you talk about Harry Potter or Madeline Lingles or C.S. Lewis, what the magic that these people are able to do or um, Wheel of Time that I'm going to talk about, the the magic that they're able to do comes from the strength and integrity of their heart and soul. And so to me, that's the real depth and power of it is that it pulls into that, (coughs) that truth about what we can do, what we can accomplish, the impact we can make when 
our hearts and souls are grounded in love and beauty and, you know, true altruism and integrity and those kind of things. So I think to me, that's the specific pull of fantasy. I 100% agree. And in thinking about the roots of this genre, I think that gets to what you're talking about, Trisha. So Tolkien is, I think, the undisputed father of this genre. He wasn't mm-hmm. the first, but he and Anne Lewis, you know, that's who we think of probably. A lot of people think of that first, right? His purpose in writing Lord of the Rings was he wanted a purely Anglo-Saxon mythology. He didn't feel like England had their own mythology. Even King Arthur was more Welsh or Norman or more Celtic ethnicity. He wanted a purely Anglo-Saxon mythology. Lewis specialized in medieval literature. That's what he studied and taught at Oxford, mainly. So the medievals understood that there's an aspect to life that we cannot understand. And they were okay with that. Us moderns have a hard time with that. <laughs> if mm-hmm. we can't test it and measure it and mm-hmm. define it, dissect it, Verify. then we can't really know that thing. Like, no with a capital K. We can't really know it. But we have this inheritance from the medieval's way of thinking through the fantasy genre. And Lewis and Tolkien put that in the DNA of their stories. And Lewis even, I don't remember the exact quote, but he talks about defining myth, and it's a very broader definition than the way we use it. He says, Bible stories are myth that happen to be true. So it's kind of a different or broader definition. And so even thinking about these mythical legend creatures that have an, like, Maybe unicorns could have existed. Maybe it's because I really want them to have been true. (laughs) There is an element of truth and dragons. There might even be historical evidence, but it really is so believable it could be true. It's almost like there's a dawn of time that was more magical that we have lost. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just this deep sense, I feel, in the really great fantasy that has that and it's almost a common trope now this deep magic and that knowledge of it has been lost and the creatures aren't magical anymore that kind of thing because no one believed but i think it's perhaps true because in our bones what it means to be in a as what it means to be human in our bones we reach for the otherworldly something beyond us something more than us that we have a need to find yeah Hmm. Well said. So we know we have this safe place to work stuff out, this safe place that's not safe. So it feels it feels like the place to try it. We, we're, we've talked about trying on virtues. We've talked about... And I think the need to believe something is powerful, too. That's kind of what you were saying there, Amanda. Um, I wonder if we would want to move into some favorites now and then maybe relate some of these characteristics which which of the things made you enjoy these sets of books um i'm guessing amanda has 400 (laughs) even this morning even as we started this episode i was whittling down my literal stack of books so (laughs) you know we've kind 
kind of played around a little bit with the definition of it. Mm-hmm. I have a couple. If, if y'all don't mind, I'd love to read mm-hmm. a couple of these. And maybe spend it before we get into our list. Talk about okay. maybe the elements that are in there. Just for a second. And I have a huge list of examples that are considered fantasy that I didn't think about. Okay. Not going to read that huge list. But we might start, you know, enjoy popping with that. But So my old friend Wikipedia said that fantasy is a genre of fiction that commonly uses magic or other supernatural phenomena as a primary plot element, theme, or setting. Okay, here's another definition. A story based on and controlled by an overt violation of what is generally accepted as possibility. And so this comes from W.R. Irwin, and he wrote a book, The Game of the Impossible, which is where that comes from. And it kind of manages to distinguish fantasy from, say, science fiction, because those novels go out of their way to prove that the elements of the story and world are scientifically possible. I love that. It's a, a violation of what is considered to be possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, That's very cool. I think common elements include magic. We've talked about that. Invented worlds, including a whole new geography, language, peoples, and their histories include supernatural beings. And I think it's pretty common for there to be good versus evil. And in the really good yeah. ones, a very clear good versus a very clear evil. Yep, for sure. So, Elizabeth, I'm curious <clears throat> on your end, when you talked about you didn't grow up reading fantasy and your really only exposure to it has been with your kids, what are some of your favorites? Um, well, Harry Potter was the first for me to, like, jump in and love. And, you know, I get to the end and it's his mother's love that has saved him. Well, I am wrecked, you yeah. know. <laughs> But the beauty of that story, too, that, like, it spoke to legacy for me. After you're gone, your love for that person still had a place. It still mattered. It still built them. So that was an overarching message. You know, I'm not sure yet the full story because I'm making myself wait and read it with Nate. But certainly of the first book. Uh, A Wrinkle in Time is, is love in its overarching power that... If you love someone well, they cannot be made to believe it wasn't true. Hmm. Um, the series of unfortunate events, I had trouble knowing was it a fantasy or not. So I just looked it up and it's, it is, though it's not exactly, exactly magic. It, it's considered a blending of a children's dystopia and fantasy because it is so otherworldly. It falls under fantasy. And I thought that was the virtue of knowledge. They're continue knowledge and bravery together, but they're continually thinking their way out of situations by resources made available to them. And then their bond as siblings is what makes that work. Cause each of them has a different, it's not a superpower, but a strength, certainly. And they use them, and they use them together. And so, you know, I love that, like, a story of a little kid who's using a law book to figure out this marriage can't go down after all, you know? <laughs> so there is no magic, but everything, you you just feel that everything about this world is not your world. This would yeah. never happen. Um, 
And then we're reading King Arthur now, and I cannot tell you how much Nate loves it. And the idea of chivalry is is welling up within me as a concept, and we're talking about it. And in some ways, I want to impart that on him. In some ways, it's like, well, that's not your job, in, in, depending on. But the idea and the concept of chivalry is beautiful and is better illustrated towards a big old fake fairy tale fantasy story where Merlin is just making up stuff. <laughs> you can, <laughs> you can, you can see those concepts pour out more in in a story of that setting. And so, those are my favorite ones, and they're all considered children's story, but they're considered children's stories that adults love too. And I don't think. I don't think being 40 is a reason to not read those stories. And I was just going to say, that is a great smattering. Like, if yeah, you're a person... A little bit of everything, yeah. Yeah, if you're a person that's not sure about fantasy and where to dip in, or you're not sure about where to dip in with your kids, and you want, like, a kid's primer fantasy list, what Elizabeth just said is fantastic. And I think, I think I'm about ready to reject the dichotomy of children's and adults fantasy. I, uh, yeah, there I is do. good and bad. I do. Who's with me? <laughs> now, now I have a question. <laughs> On that note, I have a question. I had a babysitter that is a huge Lord of the Rings fan and not the movies, the books. And she was like, I think Nate would love Lord of the Rings. And everybody else has said, nope, too big, too hard, too too much, too... Wait, 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 wait. And so, I don't know. What do you think? Well, first of all, you have a great opportunity with that because, of course, you can start with The Hobbit, Mm -hmm. which is well accepted to be, you know, great for his age range. A good friend of mine just read it with her, like, nine- and six-year-old, and they loved it. So um, just start with The Hobbit. And I would say if he loves The Hobbit and you want to try it in a year, just starting it, go for it. See if he likes it. The Hobbit is not actually the first book, though, but that's commonly read first. Is that right? It is the first one. It is the first one then. Okay. Yep. So it's It's a great with you story easily then. Yep. I totally agree with that. And I said there's no children's and adult books, but there are certain... There, of course, is material or scariness or whatever that you need to gauge. But yeah, I, I, yeah, read The Hobbit. Yeah, well, okay, so that was in my big question mark for what's next in that fantasy genre. Um, My word, Elizabeth, I am so excited for you to read The Lord of the Rings. (laughs) I cannot wait to, like, vicariously go on that we'll, journey with you we'll and vicariously read it again for the first time. We'll see if we're praying for Frodo if it reels us <laughs> in that way. <laughs> well, I have been planning to read it again. Um, I've only read it once and I loved it, but Close Reads did it on their Patreon. And so I've been wanting to read it again and listen to the Close Reads episode. So Elizabeth, let me know when you read it and I will read it with you and listen to Close Reads. Okay. Aw, <laughs> fun. Amanda, you can do it with us, too, if you want. Yes, okay. I will. <laughs> You're like, okay, fine. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay. You into it. You twisted my arm. <laughs> okay, so I want to know y'all's. 
What are your What are your books? What are your favorites? What are your Why is this book so good? Representation of this category. Okay, so I will go first before Amanda does her 14. Um, <laughs> when I was in high school, um, of course, Wheel of Time has been a very famous fantasy series for a while, um, won all kinds of awards, etc. And when I was in high school, I think it was, there were like eight books in, there's 18 total. And to get people hooked, bookstores were giving away the first half of the first book. So they would have it on the counter. Half? Yeah, and they, they had on the counter a little paperback that was like ha half of the first book. And it's like a 800 page book, so it was not small. But they were <laughs> so confident that if you read the first half of the first book, you would get into the series. They were literally giving it away. And- Oh, what a hook. Yeah, I can't, I honestly don't remember who first mentioned it to me, gave it to me, but I started it and I was completely hooked. I could not put it down. And it is the most remarkable example of a high fantasy book. Now, high fantasy is when everything is new. Like we were talking about if it's the real world, but there's just magic. So high fantasy is when the entire world is created. It is an entirely new world. It has a magical basis. And by the time you are done reading these books, or even you're just three or four into it, you know every country, you know the cultures, you know the clothing they wear, you know the climate of their part of the world, what their tendencies are, part of their history. Like, it is so immersive and so richly described that you just know all of that. But for me, now I know there are people who have tried it and said like, ah, oh, it's too much description, you know, it didn't quite reel me in which is fine, it's not everybody's cup of tea. But I found the story to be so engaging and so fascinating and so, I mean, I read 18 of these books, people, and after the first book, they're all between 900 and 1,000 pages. So this is a, this is a commitment. Um, but I would just say, like, pick up the first one and just try it. Just try the first half, and if you're hooked, and you have to go on this journey with Rand and find out what happens, then just go and pick up, do, do one a year and just enjoy it. Because it is just such a grand adventure. And the, the whole journey is wonderful and all the character development and all the ways that things happen in this whole world with the countries and wars and political intrigue and relationships and all the things. But it has a wonderful, wonderful ending and that is my like, big thing. I feel like sometimes it can be easy, especially in a fantasy world, to like launch something really cool. But can you stick the well. landing? Yes. Can you bring it all together in a way that is fulfilling, surprising, and, you know, and wonderful and feel like you got the payoff for putting all that time and effort into reading these books? And this book did. I mean, they were... Amazing. And he even died before he finished it. And Brandon Sanderson finished writing the last couple of books. And they're wonderful. Like you can't oh, wow. even really tell. Yeah. It's, it's, they're, they're really, really amazing. So if you want to try high fantasy, um, Wheel of Time. I would suggest Wheel of Time. I second that. <clears throat> Amanda, me. have you read them all? <laughs> no, I, I started them in college yeah. and I didn't make it to the end. I don't remember why. And Could I, have been so I was timing. like, you know, Trisha was talking to me about how good the ending was. 
It's like, yeah, I do. I want to know what happens. And so I did start reading the first one again before the Wheel of Time show on Amazon came out. And I was like, I just, I can't do this right now. I had so many other (sighs) big things coming up, you know, big books I'd already committed to. And I just couldn't. But I really want to know what happens. Not now is not never, so. Right. Okay, Amanda, let us have it. So I still at this moment, I don't know which ones to say. Okay, so I will say this. Saying Lord of the Rings for this is like a Christian saying, if you're stranded on a desert island, what one book? Oh, the Bible. Of course. Like, don't even. So I, of course, Lord of the Rings and Narnia, okay? So, but beyond that, (laughs) I will say um, a couple of authors I recommend to you. Edith Nesbitt. She wrote one of the first way before Tolkien. Um, Five Children and It is great. And there's a sequel to that. And she has lots of other books like The Enchanted Castle, which is one of Ruby's favorites. And then another great one pre-Tolkien, who he actually influenced Tolkien and Lewis, is George MacDonald, a wonderful writer of fairy tales and fantasy. He wrote The Princess and the Goblin. I have my pretty um, children's classics library copy here. Love that one. And he wrote The Princess and Curtie. And he wrote The Light Princess, which I just read with Ruby not long ago. Those are wonderful, wonderful authors. A couple of newer authors, Indy Wilson and the Hundred Cupboards series. That's great, a great series. And also John Flanagan, The Ranger's Apprentice is book one. It's great. The Ruins of Gorlan is the um, series. Um, and just real quick, Wind in the Willows and Mary Poppins are also two of my favorite fantasy books ever. Oh, Mary Poppins, yeah. I love it so. I know, right? Those yeah, are two I didn't like automatically the Wizard think of, of Oz, mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland, Doctor Doolittle, like all of the. Oh, I'm like, yeah, oh I do yeah, love Alice I never in thought of them as Peter Pan. Yeah. Okay, Peter Pan. Yeah. Yes, love that. And one that is on my TBR. So I'm gonna just share a couple that are on my TV day. TBR as a way to shoehorn more recommendations in. Um, (laughs) Lloyd Alexander's series, The Chronicles of Prydain. I think I'm saying that correctly. The Book of Three is the first book. And Ben and the boys have read all of them. I really want to read them. And I found this quote by him, by Lloyd Alexander. Fantasy is hardly an escape from reality. It's a way of understanding it. Mm, Which harkens back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay, Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson has been recommended to me by various people, so I want to read that. Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Grace Lynn. The Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro. He wrote The Remains of the Day, and he has this fantasy book, too. The Remains of the Day is one of my favorites, favorite books, so I, I need to check that one out. Okay, The Tempest by Shakespeare I recommend to you as fantasy. That's the only one that he wrote completely on his own. He came up with all of it on his own. It's super fantasy. Um, Okay, my last one. This is like my biggest, like, bucket list kind of book. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Okay, this he wrote, it's Shakespeare's time. He was a contemporary. This influenced Pilgrim's Progress, Lord of the Rings, so much. It's epic poetry and it's hard to understand because Edmund Spencer wanted to write it differently than the way people then spoke. 
So it is tough to read. And Mary McLeod has a version of it, a retelling of some of the stories. So I'm going to start with that. Okay, I've got to stop there. There's so many, (laughs) so many great books. (laughs) Did you want to wrap it up with a couple other recommendations, Tricia? So I was just going to throw in a couple that are more modern Mm -hmm. recommendations. Um, And I think both of these are even considered YA that I read recently and just enjoyed. Um, One is called The 10,000 Doors of January, and it came out in 2019, um, kind of at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, wait, that was 2020. Never mind. It came out. Who knows when it it was. I I read it during the pandemic. That's that's what I was thinking. I was like, I need a door to escape through. I need a fantasy world, please. (laughs) Um, And it's just a fun. So I have been wanting so talk about the wheel of time which i loved so much but i just i cannot bring myself to start another fantasy series because it's just such a commitment and i want to and like brandon sanderson has been recommended to me so many times so many of his series and i have a couple on my tbr that i'm deciding between um so if you're listening and you are a brandon sanderson fan please please send me your top recommendation on what to start with because i have not done that yet but um so I've tried to pick up here and there a couple standalone fantasies when I don't want to get into a series. So 10,000 Doors of January, um, it's about a girl who winds up um, losing her parents and living with a rich uncle in a big mansion and finding a magical book in the attic. And it basically opens up this world to her where she can go through these doors into other worlds. And it's just wonderful. And it's just a basic standalone fun fantasy romp um about traveling to other times and places i have to say i it's been long enough ago a couple years since i read it that i do not remember exactly what the content is so i can't like say give it to your children i don't i don't remember um i mean it wasn't like r-rated or anything but i just don't i don't remember the exact level of content um and then the other one i was going to mention is called a sorcery of thorns And again, just a fun standalone fantasy romp. And it's fun because the evil in this world is stored in books. So the people who protect the world are librarians. So picture (laughs) sword wielding, magic learning librarians who have to transport evil books gagged and chained and big wooden carriages to get them from place to place without their magic spilling out like that's amazing it's just fun i love it i mean it's just fun so you know is it the best book ever written no but just fun and again i don't remember enough about the content to say hand it to your 13 year old but it is certainly a fun book for adults um read it before you pass it along to your children okay i think we we did a good intrigue here. Um, if you're not a fantasy reader, I hope that you will try some of these out or consider them from a different point of view instead of just a bunch of silliness. Um, consider them an opportunity. That's the way I look at it now. It's, it's an opportunity to, to grow in a safe spot. 
Okay, listeners, we're so glad you joined us on this fantastical journey. Tell us in the Facebook group, what do you think is unique to fantasy? What do you think it brings to the table that it has great capacity for that might be different than other genres? What are your favorite books? What are your favorite authors? I want to know all of them. And I want to leave you with this one last quote that I have from Anonymous. That guy has so many quotes. He does. (laughs) But this is from Anonymous. When someone told me I lived in a fantasy land, I nearly fell off my unicorn. Happy (laughs) fantasy reading! (laughs) And until next time, I'm Trisha. I'm Amanda. I'm Elizabeth. And happy unicorn riding. (laughs) It's amazing. I nearly fell off my unicorn. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, subscribe to Book Fair Podcast. Join our Facebook group, find us on Instagram, or email us at chat at bookfairpodcast.com. And don't forget to tell a friend.